I'm very, very happy to introduce Patsy Herkernanen, who is from the University of Leeds, is here to talk to us about eco-phenomenosophy. Did I get that right? Yeah, it's a uh, yeah. bit of a tongue twister. Indeed. <clears throat> so yes, um, according to Earth sciences, the planet has now entered a new geological epoch. This epoch, referred to as the Anthropocene, is characterized by a significant human impact on the natural environment and its processes. In other words, humans have become a global force. It is important to note, however, that humans have not equally contributed to the destruction of the non-human world. But rather than only blaming capitalism and technology as the root causes of the present geological epoch, I propose a so-called human will to transform as a focal characterization of what has led us to the ecological overshoot. Evolving from the Nietzschean uh, will to power, this will to transform is the force that pushes humans to endlessly reorder the world. The will is deep discontent to the present, a desire to leave a mark which derives its meaning from the assumption of progress. It is because of this will why technology has become the prevailing mode of being, what Heidegger referred to as gestell and framing, and why the ideology of private ownership and accumulation of wealth has become hegemonic, to use a Marxian expression. However, it appears that the will to transform is something that comes in different degrees and is contingent on both cultural and biological patterns. Some humans have a more insatiable determination to constantly alter and rearrange things than others. For example, consider a young, ambitious and enthusiastic entrepreneur who cannot stop thinking about the limitless business opportunities the world offers to him. He wants to go to space. And then compare him to his unemployed and depressed stepbrother who is even unable to get up from bed in the morning. In this case, there is little will to transform anything, really. It is difficult, if not possible, to trace the will or lack of it thereof to a historical time place. Therefore, the roots of the Anthropocene can be considered to run as deep as the humankind itself. But even if the will can be seen as a central aspect characterizing our species, my purpose is not to reduce the human condition to this will to transform, but to question the origins of the real-life existential problem related to the ongoing mass extinction. But what can be said in the light of history is that some individuals have not developed the pathological versions of this will, and that some societies have not supported the progress of the will as much as others have. But I guess uh, this is exactly where hope discloses in these dark times. That is, circumstances in which humans are able to let go of, as well as to resist the will to transform, do exist. Following a late Heidegger's concept of releasement, Gelassenheit, these people who have, who have left or alternatively have not entered being as transforming can be referred to as releasers. So the releasers can be conceptualized as the practitioners of letting be. In relation to the will to transform, releasers are those individuals and collectives who are on the move from more will to transform to less will to transform.
In ecological terms, this kind of turning or re revolutioning even importantly manifests in decreased matter energy throughput or lower, lower levels of consumption, distribution and production. So owing to the lack of will to transform, a decreased amount of matter energy is involved in the practices of the practitioner. Importantly for being and sustainability, what follows is less extraction of the natural environment, less production and, and, and use of good and, goods and services, and also less disposal and waste. On the aggregate level, the consequence is that the metabolic flow of human societies will slow down as, let, as less matter and energy travels through the system. And it is exactly because of this desired matter energetic outcome of releasement as practice that those who are releasing cannot be considered equally contributing to the Anthropocene problem. It is their transforming co-humans who can be referred to as transformers that cause the metabolic acceleration and thus further destruction of the non-human world. The distinction between releasers and transformers is important in assigning blame and, and distributing responsibility as well as imagining the proper response of care to the Anthropocene, which in its simplest means bringing transformations to halt. From an ecological point of view, whether a person or a collective stops transforming by choice or by force does not make a great difference. Lowering throughput because one does not have access to the needed resources has similar outcomes than someone with more deliberate and sophisticated intentions. However, with an extended time horizon, the intentions uh, come to play a role. For instance, if resources are made available to a person who has not possessed them before and he has the will to transform, it is then likely that he will make use of the gained resources once he attains them. Therefore, releasement is ind indispensable. To illustrate this point further, in the case of the miserable stepbrother, who now may not possess the mental and monetary and other reserves needed to make transformations happen, but as he gets well in the frame of progress, the will to transform uh, is expected to return to him. However, if he has intentionally released or is uh, willingly to renounce willing in the words of Heidegger, the change is more permanent. So despite the desired ecological outcome of his sickness, which is the lower matter energy use, and in the case of suicide would be close to zero, he would not necessarily qualify as a releaser. In country path conversations, Heidegger refers to releasement as wanting unwilling. To quote him on this, you want a non-willing in the sense of renouncing of willing, so that through this we may release or at least prepare to release ourselves to the sought-for essence of a thinking that is not willing." End quote. The neologism of eco-phenomenosophy is the name for my ongoing project on, of conjoining Heideggerian phenomenology and Nordic eco-philosophy. The overall direction of this project is to develop a method of inquiry or a perspective to the study of sustainability that can, could inform the proper response to the Anthropocene. So the Anthropocene is the label for the massive human impact on the biosphere. Due to the robust findings of transgressed planetary boundaries and the ongoing sixth 
mass extinction, it is now commonly accepted that the destruction of ecosystems and consequently the loss of biodiversity is not only problematic for the earthbound beings themselves, but also as these events jeopardize peace and existence of uh, humankind. What I propose here today is that human will to transform manifested in the practice of transforming the non-human world to human objects, like this cup here, is a focal problem that has led the, has led the earth to the Anthropocene. Each act of transforming, followed by the will, requires natural resources and the utilized matter-energy input problematically increases waste in the biosphere or entropy in the language of thermodynamics. This being so, a proper response to the Anthropocene would involve following releasers example who allow being to unfold without constant human intervention. If this is the case, releasers who have already let in releasement can be considered the harbingers of hope in the Anthropocene. But how can the transformers open to releasement? According to Heidegger, quote, we could do nothing but wait, end quote. He notes that we can get close to being released through waiting, quote, but never awaiting, for awaiting already links itself with representing and what is represented, end quote. So turning into releasement may unfold through waiting without expecting, so to say. Or as Heidegger puts it, quote, in waiting, we leave open what we are waiting for, end quote. After we have waited and gotten glimpse of releasements, we can begin preparing for the expected, which is the collapse of civilization. Barbara Dalle Pez remarks that, quote, waiting is the key experience for in waiting, we are in the position of crossing from thinking as representing to thinking as meditative thinking. In waiting, we move from that thinking which, as Heidegger states, has lost its element and dried up to the thinking that is appropriated by its element and which therefore has turned towards being itself." End quote. In parallel, with these uh, post-collapse preparations, there are some practical implications that are linked to, the, to, to releasement. Michael E. Zimmerman explains these as follows. First, it means not unduly interfering with things. Second, it means taking care of things in the sense of making it possible for them to fulfill their potential. Third, letting be involves not just the ontological work of tending to things, but also the ontological work of keeping open the clearing through which they can appear." End quote. The releases of the Anthropocene seek to interfere in the, in the non-human processes only to fulfill their primary needs of food and shelter. This is in line with, uh, with the eco-philosophy of Arne Ness, and his notion that humans should not reduce the richness and diversity of life forms except to satisfy, to satisfy vital needs. Due to the overconsuming transformers, releasers feel even responsibility to underconsume in order to minimize the cost anthropogenic 
harm in the hole. Moreover, the care of the releasers is not limited to the human sphere, but extends to the non-human world as well. And not only for instrumental reasons, but due to the inherent worth in the, in the whole of nature. This also matches with the eco-philosophical idea of intrinsicality in human and non-human life on Earth. For example, an effective way to let the underwater world unfold its complex genesis and allow its beings to fulfill their potential is to let them stay in, in water, alive. With the current rate of consumption, all sea seafood will run out by uh, 2050, scientists say. Similarly with, uh, the uh, similarly, with Nordic eco-philosophical thinking, such as the observations presented by, by the Finnish uh, Jori Henrik von Vricht, releasers in the Anthropocene have not confined themselves to the idea of progress. That is, they have let go of the assumption that by human transformations, existence can be moved to an improved or more developed state, a forward position of some sort. It is very unlikely, however, and arguably already too late, that ideas which can be even remotely considered anti-progress will be taken seriously by the masses or the leaders in power. Later in his days, von Vricht remarked that, quote, one idea to have found expression in the poetry of many civilizations and religious myth mythologies is that humanity can only attain wisdom which changes changes it, its way of life through suffering and or, ordeal. These ordeals can affect people in many different ways. In the life of the common people, they can be caused by famine, war, pestilence, and great nat natural disasters. It is possible that we are standing on the brink of an age in which disasters will strike hard and pitilessly. Whether they will make us any, any the wiser in the long term is debatable. On the other hand, these events could affect our conditions of life and thereby our way of living it." End quote. <clears throat> so the great turning around that Heidegger refers to has already begun, but may, may only gain momentum after the collapse. In his book, Heidegger and the environment, Casey Rentmeister notes that Heidegger often calls this great turning around a new beginning or the other beginning, in that it will incite a change in the human relationship with being. This new beginning is a radical departure from the previous epochs through it, uh, though it somehow has a relation to the first beginning." End quote. Perhaps the collapse will take the Earth to the next geological epoch, which will hopefully be characterized by peaceful coexistence between humans and the rest of the world. The, this imaginary epoch could be optimistically labeled Paxine, Pax from, from Latin uh, denoting peace. Without modern technology and the global flow of capital, Paxine is likely to region people where food and shelter are available to them. And maybe 
as beautifully phrased by Dale Pes, that which regions, quote, creates or perhaps reveals a space-time, an expanse, an expanse in which things themselves also do not have the character of objects anymore. They lose their nature of means and return to their nature of being as tree, stone, flower. They return to that moment that seems to be the absence of time, in the sense of sequence of moments, and emerges as time-space within which they simply are and rest." End quote. Oh, Paxine, Paxine, reveal yourself. Thank you.